you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that's what's pulling us tonight. Everybody's feeling some pull. If the world could sing the worldly rendition of that song tonight, the words would be different. The verses would say different things. I feel the pull. It's pulling in my veins. I feel the pull. It's pulling me to kill. I feel the pull. It's pulling me to do this or that. But I'm glad I feel this pull. To life. To love. To be a child of God. Let's read, uh, if you would, the book of Revelation tonight, chapter 12, verse 7. <clears throat> and this is where the pull of the end time for those who are not washed by the water of the word, this is where they're fixing to be gathered. Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Now keep in mind who his angels are. Angels that God created for his own purpose. And they fell from their estate in heaven. Remember Satan was the first preacher that tried to pull people out of their position hmm. and prevail not neither was their place found anymore in heaven notice how that John says this neither was their place they had an allocation an allotment that was actually their place but neither was their place found anymore in heaven and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. That's real bride people right there. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil, the devil, is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, if we did not have a hope of being able to miss this that we have read, I'm afraid we would be so sad and so depressed and so gloomy we would not want to live another day. To see and hear the things that are fixing to break loose on the earth. And to know, Father, that you have made a way that we can escape if we wish to. You even told us how to pray and what to say when we pray it. 
Pray ye therefore always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Lord God, may you speak to us tonight from your word. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I realize there's an element of Christians that don't really see a need for a preacher to preach deeper things or preach things that they really say don't understand or don't comprehend. They, they would rather have a preacher that would preach pretty much where they are. And if your first grade teacher would have taught you that much, you reckon you'd ever graduated out of the first grade? But she had to prod you. You know, there's an element about the Bible <clears throat> that many people miss. And it's why that many preachers are not really pulled upon by their congregation, especially pastors, to preach the full Bible. Now, it's one thing to say that we are full gospel people, but it's another thing for the preachers who say they are full gospel to preach the full Bible. I know I'm leading you out on a limb, but don't worry, I'll get you off and I won't saw us off. So there's more to the Bible to preach than just salvation, healing, miracles, blessings, new cars, new houses, right? So whenever men of God are inspired by the Spirit of God to go into avenues that people aren't aware of, many times people will sit in the service, well, I didn't understand that. I didn't get much out of that. I don't understand that. I don't like hearing a preacher like that. So you don't like to be challenged. You only want me, Brother Darrell, Brother Joel, whoever the rest of the ministers that would ever come in here is just basically preach what you already know. You don't want us to ever go in any realm of a sphere of the Word of God that's not beyond you. I, I don't understand your thinking at all. Myself, I want to sit under men of God that motivate me to study the Word. That motivate me to move higher. Amen? Now, this is the key why that, that some people don't do that. Listen to this in the Kinsman Redeemer. Brother Raymond said the Bible is a love story. The whole Bible is a love story. Not only is it a love story, but it's a prophet. Not only is it a prophet, it's also a history. All right, so the Bible is a love story. The Bible is a prophet. Isn't that peculiar that you'd say the Bible is a prophet? So the Bible is a love story. The Bible is a prophet. And the Bible is history. Now he said it's a love story, a history, a prophet. It's God himself. So for me, I want to be a full Bible preacher. Okay? I don't want to just preach healing alone. I preach healing. I believe in healing. But the whole Bible is not just about healing. The whole Bible is more than John 3.16. The whole Bible is more than just preaching about salvation every night. I, I figure the majority of you folks saved here tonight. How many of y'all saved? 
How many of y'all been saved for at least a week or two? So is it okay if I preach something beyond salvation tonight? Now, if there's anybody here that's lost, we, we will certainly make way for you too. All right, anybody here? Most of y'all believe Malachi 4, God sent a prophet? Most of y'all believe there's one God? Most of y'all been baptized the right way? So you want me to keep going over and over and over and over that again? So you'll feel comfortable sitting there backsliding? No, not if you love God, you don't. You'll tell me, man of God, preach what God lays on your heart. And if I have to go back and listen to it five times, it'll inspire me. It'll stir me. Now, watch again in Christ the mystery of God revealed. He said, the Bible is a prophetic book. It's a historical book. It's a book of love. It's a book of songs. It's a book of life. So, Four gospel preachers aren't necessarily four Bible preachers. So a full Bible preacher, especially pastors, are going to get into more than just healing, miracles, signs, wonders. Now, there's no one evangelist is going to go out and preach a 37-part series because the pastor ain't going to invite him back for 37 services more than likely. So you can't expect an evangelist or a, a traveling minister that goes out from church to church to church, but a pastor. God will move upon them and they will go into areas of the word to where that they will be able to bring something about the word to their people that the people can sit there under them for decades and never get bored on the word. Now, how is that even possible? It's because God will take their gift and their understanding and as they grow. Now, I saw last week some pictures and I saw some more today. I think it's Brother Larry, maybe that he posted them. And it was the speck out in the universe that the Hubble telescope had taken many, many years ago. Now, they aimed this new one, James Webb Telescope, out into the same field. And it was like, they said it would take a grain of sand and put it on the end of your finger, and that's what it would be looking like, that, that tiny part of the universe. And they took the exact same picture of the same stars. Now, here it was, and Hubble was, it was unbelievable, compared to what they'd seen prior to that. But now they take the same picture of the same part of the universe, but they take it with new vision. With a new capability to look at the same things, and they're seeing constellations and stars and bright lights and colors and yellows and greens and oranges that they looked right at it under Hubble. Don't you understand? That's the way it is with the light of God's Word. Luther looked out there and saw stars and he said, oh my, there's three of them, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And Wesley looked out there just a little bit farther and said, oh my, it's still Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but we gotta be sanctified. And Pentecost looked out there a little bit farther and then God, God a prophet that was able to look way out there and said, you know what? You thought them was three stars, but it actually was one. They all blended together, praise the Lord. 
Now you see, science wants to see more, and they want to see farther, and they want to see what they saw even clearer. Well, I don't understand Christians that don't. Myself, to me as a child of God, I want to understand the very basics of redemption and salvation, not in the same repetitive form that I knew it 40 years ago, but I want to see it with a clearer understanding, don't you? Sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, heaven, hell, all of those great things. I honestly don't think we'll ever reach a spot that we'll ever understand it all. As a matter of fact, in eternity, he will still be revealing himself because he is the eternal one. So then the Bible is a book of love. It is a book of songs. A prophet in another place says it's a book of poetry. It is a book of history. It is also a book of redemption. It is also a book of mystery. So in this great book is all these aspects of the same book, and yet some people never go beyond well, just getting saved and sanctified and teaching me how I can overcome and all that. I don't need to understand all the rest of this stuff. Well, if it's in the Bible, God apparently wants somebody to be able to understand it. Myself, when I look at it, I'm saying, well, Lord, maybe I ain't got the understanding, but please let me hear somebody, one of these preachers out here somewhere, that God has dealt with, so let me find something where the prophet said. I just don't think that God placed scriptures in the Bible to take up space, do you? I believe they're there for a reason. Now, whenever we look at this in the book of Revelation, I know it's one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible, and this is the reason that we needed a prophet to come and bring a prophetic class of people along with it with a prophetic understanding. So whenever I or Brother Darrell or any other minister that's called of God, when God lays something on our hearts to preach, and it might not be exactly where your understanding is, don't sit there and say, oh my, I, I can't understand, I can't get nothing. Well, maybe God wanted you to grow up a little bit more and pull up a little bit higher. Yeah. Is that right? Now watch, we're going to break in to whenever the bride goes up and Satan comes comes down and the picture changes because it's a dispensational change that it moves from the grace of God to the wrath of God. It moves from the lawyer of God being on the throne, changing his garments and becoming under the aspect of the man-child of Revelation 12. Now, the man-child of Revelation 12 is actually the serpent bruiser. The serpent bruiser, whenever God is able to to consummate the man-child and bring it back up into the presence of God, which happened, of course, 2,000 years ago. But this other missing part of himself, the entire reconciliation of the bride and groom, is not finished until our rapture and resurrection. Now, I find this amazing because Satan was not cast out of heaven as soon as the Lord Jesus went up 2,000 years ago. Now, was not that a great victory? Was not that a tremendous thing when the Lord Jesus overcome death, hell, and the grave and ascended right up and went right back on the throne of God and has been there as our kinsman redeemer for 2,000 years? And yet that ascent into the presence of God never kicked him out of heaven. That never rendered him powerless and sent him down to the earth, but even with our lawyer being on the throne of God, he can still have access to the throne of God and go before him day and night accusing us. But here we read of something that has happened. 
What was it? It was not that a lion come. It was not that an angel come. What was it that made this great change that rendered Satan finally powerless when the bride goes up? So when the bride goes up into the presence of God, those people who he has been accusing, he can accuse no more. So he loses his position before the throne of God as the opposing attorney. I'll tell you one thing, if you and I could ever let it grip our hearts by revelation, and Satan keeps trying to bring up your past and your mistakes and your failures, if you by revelation could ever move into that spot to where you refuse to allow him to condemn you for those things you're forgiven of, and you refuse, not God, but you, refuse to allow him to bring up all of your past and remind you of them ten thousands of things that you've done wrong but you draw that line and say no more devil out of here I'm sick of it I'm sick of hearing my past yes I did that but that was the old man I'm a new man now I'm a new woman I'm a brand new creature in Christ Jesus he will begin to lose his hold on you before you're ever changed oh Oh, hallelujah. He will begin to lose his hold of power and authority on you before your body ever changes one cell. Now read with me here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. So when the dragon is now cast out of heaven into the earth, knowing that his defeat has been brought about by the conquest of the man-child. Now who is the man-child? The Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus was produced out of the woman which was draped in this crimson collar and all that, that that John was able to see by vision. And she brought forth the man-child. It was the result of the man-child's victory that his back has been broke and the man-child's wife is now caught up into the presence of God. And whenever she's caught up into the presence of God, the devil can't condemn her no more because the part that he was condemning, which is her mortality has been changed. Now it can point his finger, well they done this, they done that, they don't pray right, they don't do this and that and the other, and we constantly need a lawyer there before us. Is that right? And he represents us, but once the bride child is raised up and united with the man child, then they themselves become one and the body has been changed. Satan can no longer condemn that bride. Oh, happy day, happy day. Then what does Satan do? Notice now how his hatred begins to change. Up prior to this time, he's focused on that bride church. That's what all that he's been against. So he's focusing on that. Now that she's lifted from the earth, then what does he do? He changes his hatred and he aims his hatred toward whom? Toward the woman that gave birth to this man child. 
Because the man-child was actually the problem. Now, the woman herself was not the problem in herself. So he will concentrate his hatred. Notice this, what the scripture said. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Now, who was the woman? The woman, of course, was Israel. So the woman that was clothed in the sun, and there she was clothed in the sun, and she had 12 stars and all the symbolism, of course, in Noah's Israel. And whenever the sun came out of there, then the sun was received up into the presence of God and a place was prepared for the woman in the wilderness and there she fled and she was kept time, times, and half a time, which is three and a half years. Great tribulation. The last part of Daniel's 70th week. Now, notice this. The prophet Isaiah speaks of a prophetic time in the last days that will come. Isaiah 26, 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment. Now notice, come my people. God speaking to Israel. God speaking to the chosen 144,000 and beckoning them by the prophetic voice of the Old Testament. Come as it were but for a little moment until the indignation or the tribulation period be overpassed. Notice Isaiah 27.1. In that day the Lord with his sword and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan. Now Leviathan is a creature that's really hard for Bible scholars to even identify what it was. They thought it might have been a crocodile. Some thought it might have been a hippo. They're not really exactly sure what it was. But it's pretty plain to see here in the spiritual symbolism of Isaiah 27 that he says the strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Now notice your God in chapter 26 tells them to come into a place of protection that he has provided for them. And there they will be kept from the great indignation on the earth. And then God says by the same prophet that he will turn right around and punish the Leviathan, the crooked serpent. Of course, you know, the symbolism of the devil was a serpent from the Old Testament on down. Now, notice whenever the dragon in Revelation 12, 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So here we have two categories of people. We have people that are keeping the commandments of God, the old Mosaic law. And then we have another category of people which are keeping the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice he doesn't say both of them had kept that. So you've got the Jews pre-conversion. You've got the Jews before receiving the Holy Ghost. And that's why the prophet said many of them will be them Orthodox Jews and they'll come out. They'll be looking for their brother, Joseph. They'll be looking for their Messiah. And these are the two that they'll be brought together and Satan will come down on the earth with great wrath to look for the woman and for the remnant of her seed. Now here's where we get to what the prophet called the free, threefold purpose of the sixth seal and the threefold purpose of the seventh seal. Now this is not just big words. These are his words. I believe they're important, don't you? Now we find out also in the seventh seal, it said that in the sixth seal, now being opened, it was for a threefold purpose. Here was the purposes. The first thing was the sleeping virgin had to go through the tribulation period for purification. 
Now notice, if the sleeping virgin was under the blood of the Lord Jesus, as they say they are, and the prophet, of course, tells us in the first seal, they're not actually under the blood, they think they are. If they were under the blood, there's no way they would need to go through a tribulation period to be purified. The blood would make them absolutely sinless. So they think they're under the blood, but they have to go through the tribulation period. So the first fold of the revealing of this seal shows that they must be a people that will be purged. So there's threefold purpose. And the first one is that the Gentile foolish virgin must be purged. Second fold of this is the 144,000 must be purged. Third fold is that the earth itself must be purged. So this is the threefold purpose. Now we said the sleeping virgin had to go through the tribulation period for purification. She had to be purged of her sins of unbelief and rejecting the Bible, the blood, the cross. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. What? The message. The message. This she was done in the tribulation period. We say that wind up in Revelation 7 between the 6th and 7th chapter. She had been purged and she'd been given white. Now notice this is the symbolism that they saw under the fifth seal. She's given robes. Now she's not the bride but it's the church. The pure people that didn't have the opportunity maybe to receive the message. Now, in this other paragraph, he said it was people that had to be washed and cleansed of, their, you know, of the message itself. So there's some that didn't receive it, some that rejected it. Or in some way they were blinded by these false prophets and they didn't get a chance and yet they're really sincere in their heart and God knows their heart and here they're purged during this time. So some will never hear about the message. Some will hear about it but they'll just not be bribed and they won't blaspheme and make all kinds of stupid websites and all kinds of things like that. Look for in some folks have done cross the line. There's absolutely no mercy for them at all. None. And God will give them blood to drink because they've crossed the line between mercy and judgment. Notice, there's another purging time. That's for Israel when she gathers. That's the second fold. God purges Israel in the tribulation period. Out of the millions that will gather there, there'll be a selected 144,000 that's purged also. God purging Israel. There's a whole earth is to be purged. There will be such a thing as the moon, the stars, and all nature will be purged. You see what it is? The earth renewing herself, being purged, getting ready for the millennium, the millennium coming up. Think of it, friends. No wonder that the atomic fire will have to burn the earth so deep. Wonder how many landfills that we've got on the earth. They take our garbage and make mountains. You drive right by the one over here and going to Johnson City. They've turned that thing into a mountain. If they keep on going, I'm not sure if Mount Everest will even be able to compare to it. And what is it? Garbage full of plastic, full of this and that and the other. Can't you see why God is going to burn this thing off and leave not one trace of man? God said, them that destroy the earth, he will destroy. No, I ain't no tree hugger. There's one tree I hug, and that's the tree my Lord Jesus died on. But I do believe that God has laws that we must live by. 
Now, notice this in the fourth seal. He said, if we find out here that this Satan, after being kicked out of heaven, he incarnates himself in the beast. And now he is a beast, antichrist, false prophet. Now a beast given the name of death and hell follows him. Fully Satan on his throne. Now this cannot happen as long as the bride is here. And once the bride goes up, then Satan is able to move into the last phase of his kingdom, the total embodiment of himself in the false prophet. Then he's given the heart of a beast. Now the head demon will be inside of this false prophet until Satan is cast down. So the mechanics will already be gone. I'm sure, I am totally convinced that while the mechanics for the bride are being operated and moved right now for the rapture, the mechanics of hell are also being operated on the other side. There ain't no telling what's going on amongst our government officials. There ain't no telling what they're doing and what they're planning because the devil ain't going to have long. He's going to do everything he can and he himself is busy up there trying to accuse you. So he's seen his head demon, whatever his name is. He's got him down here and he's trying to manipulate. And if this ain't the Pope, then it'll be the next one. If it ain't that one, it'll be the next one. And he will no doubt get his message from the man himself and say, this is him. Get in him and hold that house till I come down. Hold that house till I come down. And then he will be given the heart of a beast, which is what? The nature of Satan. This is the heart that Cain had in the Garden of Eden. Y'all with me tonight? This is the heart that Cain had in the Garden of Eden. This is why he would kill his brother. He had the heart of a beast. Can't you see why people have no problem murdering babies? Can't you see why people have no problem taking a gun and killing 19 children and school teachers and all of that? Can't you see why mass killings are going on everywhere? They're getting in the spirit. What kind of spirit is it? Tribulation, death, sorrow, anxiety, suffering. Like this world has never, never, never known that there's another group of people on the earth. They're not getting in the spirit of tribulation. They're not getting in the spirit of murder. They're not getting in the spirit of violation to the word of God. But they are getting in the spirit of unity and harmony and love and fellowship. They're getting ready for a body change. They're getting ready to meet the Lord Jesus. Notice this. And this fourth seal, it continues on. Now we find out here that this Satan, after being kicked out of heaven, incarnates himself in the beast, and now he's a beast, antichrist, false prophet, and now beast, and given the name of death, and hell follows him, fully Satan on his throne. Oh my, on the earth, he's Satan's representative on the earth. That he's now as head of the kingdoms of the world. The very same kingdoms he offered the Lord Jesus in Matthew 4. But it was beneath the Lord Jesus to take such trash to rule over. Well, come on. Satan don't mind ruling over perverts and homosexuals and transgenders and all that kind of stuff. Now listen, you're a homosexual and come to God and get saved. A transgender can come to God and get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost. They won't be trans no more. They'll be changed. They'll be transformed. Woo! Well, wasn't that good? They will be transformed. Come on, church. They will be changed by the power of God. Oh, I don't believe in the Jesus.
Jesus that this modern age has, that they want to come to God as they are, stay as they are, go to heaven as they are. There is no gay streets in heaven. There will be no rainbow flags flying around in heaven. It is the banner of the blood of the Lord Jesus that has changed us and loosed us and cleansed us from those vile things. Paul wrote to some of them in the New Testament whenever he said that they used to be effeminate. They used to be, but not after they met Jesus. So y'all believe in trans at your church? We do. Transformed. Children, we're living in a nation where many of our politicians are so scared to death of the people, they can't even define what a woman is. They can't even answer a simple question, can a man get pregnant? What in the world is the matter? What in the world is going on? Hell is eking its way out. Don't you understand what it's doing? And they laugh at God's word and laugh at God's people. Let them laugh. We'll get the last one. Notice he says, my Satan now becomes full king. Now this happens later on. He's false prophet now. He will become beast after a while. When he breaks his covenant there with the Jews, you know how we've been through it. Now notice he says, he will be given a heart of a beast at that time and Satan will incarnate himself because when the church goes up, Satan's cast out. It's done then. <laughs> All of his accusing is done. <laughs> as long as the intercessor, this is so phenomenal to me, as long as the intercessor is on the throne, look who's on the throne not a judge. The intercessor himself. No wonder he keeps standing there before him and said, this is a rigged trial. This is rigged. The judge ain't on the throne. It's the intercessor himself. The attorney, their attorney is on the throne. How in the world do you expect me to ever win this case? He said, I don't. And I tell you right now, you ain't going to win. I've already won. Them's my people. I represent my people. As long as the intercessor is on the throne, listen to this, Satan can stand there and accuse. As long as the intercessor, why? Hey, it tells him the bride ain't here yet. The intercessor's on the throne. That when he changes clothes and changes and puts on the crown on his head, spiritual, we'll put it on natural. But when he steps out of that royal diadem, Satan says, "Uh uh-oh, my time's limited now. He don't know exactly. He don't know exactly when the Lord's coming. He don't know how long it's going to be. Has he got a year yet? Two, five, ten? He don't know. But he knows when this takes place, he's only got three and a half left. So when he sees that, he said, oh my, the intercessor left the throne. Today is rapture day. The 
intercessor left the throne. What's fixing to happen? Those I'm accusing is fixing to come up on the throne. So they no longer need an intercessor, but they're meeting him as their lovely bridegroom. Praise God. As long as the intercessor is still on the throne, Satan can stand there and accuse because he is the attorney on the other side. He's the opponent of Christ. And Christ is standing there. I love this little illustration. The opponent is standing there saying, but wait, Adam fell. Adam done this. Can you imagine? He's still accusing Adam. My Lord, it ain't no wonder that he can stand there all these thousands of years. Look at all the accusations he's got to bring against all the people of God. So if he's still accusing Adam, you can imagine what he's saying about us. Well, that bunch of dirtbags, sorry, low down, rotten, good for nothing, so and so. But you got an attorney. You got an attorney. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory. But wait. Adam fell. I done this. I conquered him. I got his wife to believe a lie. Is all them things he just said the truth? Was that a lie he told? Did he fabricate that? Truth, truth, truth. People that tell you the devil can't tell the truth have not studied the message far enough. The biggest lie that's ever told has 90 some percent truth to it. Notice. I got his wife to believe a lie. You said she'd be damned by it, and I got it. But here's the mediator standing there. Brother Bam gets pretty excited himself. He says, amen. The kinsman redeemer, amen. Standing there with the blood that can take the vilest sinner's heart and change it. Listen to this. A mediator is on the throne. Wow, what, what a position to have on the throne of God. Not a judge, not a jury, a mediator. Why, it's testifying. That is our need. Can't you see how blind some of the brothers are when they try to say it passed in 1963? It didn't pass in 63, 73, 83, 93, 20 and 3, 20 and 13. He's still here. He's still there and he will be till that last one comes in. And when the last one comes in and is finished, we're gone. And when we're gone, he said, get out of here, devil. Oh, hallelujah. Get out of here, devil. Leave my house. My wife is coming home. Oh, praise God. My wife is coming home. Get out. Man, my first time to see Jesus. I don't want that long tongue lying false accuser standing there. He done this, he done this. So don't worry, Donnie, I'm gonna take care of it. When you get up, the accuser will be gone. Come on, sweetie. Come on. A mediator is on the throne. Yes, sir. Satan said. But they're guilty. Jesus said, they're not. They don't listen to that, but I forgive them. I took care of that. A mediator on the throne. But when that transition is made, 
No more mercy. <clears throat> now remember Ruth had a sustaining portion that she had kept back and she brought home and gave it to Naomi. That which was reserved. And even though the lamb will leave the mediatorial seat, he has reserved enough Holy Ghost for 144,000. <laughs> the Jews brought it to us, the Gentiles will take it back to them. It's reserved under our covenant. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. What will happen then? All hell breaks loose. I hope and pray to God that there's no one under the sound of my voice, no one that'll hear this service will experience what we're about to see here before us. Notice this in Noah said not, and the prophet says, now watch the spirit following. There'll come a time in the name of the Lord that people will go completely insane. The Bible says so, they'll scream and holler great hideous things in their imaginary mind. Radios and things and television programs are producing it. There'll be such things as ants raised up on the earth as high as 14 trees. There will be a bird that will fly across the earth with wings four or five miles across. And people will see them. They'll scream and holler and cry for mercy. But it will be the plagues. Wait till I preach on those plagues opening up. The only reason you and I are not experiencing these things tonight. It's because we have a mediator on the throne. They see, the only reason the earth itself, the people of the world that's not even saved, aren't experiencing this tonight is because our mediator is there. Our kinsman redeemer. Now, they don't know it. They never acknowledge it. But it's because of our tie to him and his relationship with us is what's keeping this from happening. And it will never happen as long as she's here because this does not fit what he has in mind for her. He don't even want her around. He don't even want her here when this stuff is happening. Oh, glory to God. He loves her so much. That's why I know with each passing day, and as we're getting closer and closer and closer, and I saw a picture today to where in certain cities in Russia that they have put up billboards just in the last few weeks showing the pictures of Alaska, joined, of course, to the top of the United States. And they are saying, we want it back. It belongs to us, and we're going to take it. Oh, my goodness. Now, you wonder, what does Mr. Putin have in his mind? I ain't going to lose no sleep over it. I got enough stuff to lose sleep over. I sure ain't going to lose it over him. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. 
But they're making all of these threats, saying all of these things, as I told the young people here Monday night, and speaking to them that China and Russia are the only ones that have hypersonic missiles. We tried one of ours about two weeks ago, and it fell miserably into the sea. So we have supersonic, but not hypersonic, which can travel over 7,900 miles per hour. We have nothing that can intercept them. Nothing that can stop them. Except feathers. And if you're under the wings of the Heavenly Father, you'll be out of here before they ever take off. They can't move fast enough. If they put a hopper on their hopper and put that hopper hopper on steroids and then put another hopper hopper, it can't move as fast as the twinkling of an eye. <laughs> Woo! They think hopper missiles can move fast. They ain't seen nothing yet till I get out of the bed one morning and I'm getting up and I say, boy, my back's sore and my feet's sore and this is sore and all of a sudden I'll stand there and I'll see myself and I'll be an 18-year-old man and that'll be my beautiful wife, an 18-year-old woman and Satan will say, oh, it's on, it's on, oh, glory. And faster than a hypersonic missile, we will be called up together to meet the Lord in the air. This is going to be a very paradoxical type of service tonight. You're going to feel a little bit of hell and a whole lot of heaven. Or you're going to feel a whole lot of hell and a little bit of heaven just depending on who you are. I, I, myself, I, I like the whole lot of heaven stuff. Just let me hear enough about hell to know, kind of know what's there and all that sort of thing, you know. And I ain't in my home. I didn't come from hell. I ain't going back to hell. I don't want nothing to do with it. Jesus went to hell, so I don't have to. Anybody ever find a series where I preached on hell? Anybody? A series where I preached on hell? It ain't worth preaching a series on. Why should I take a series on hell when we can go back to the future home and take another series on that? <laughs> Notice Revelation 15, 5. And after that I looked, behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. What peculiar phraseology that he chooses to say this with. The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven. The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues. Oh. So what had been happening before this? How come they didn't come before? The attorney was on the mediatorial throne. 
But see, now him and the bride are at that great old big table. Some of y'all think you've had receptions, and we've seen some nice ones down here, haven't we? You ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, praise God. It's amazing because this is going on where we are in that new place. And over here in the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony, plagues are issuing forth from these seven angels. And we're all just over here eating, laughing, rejoicing. Wasn't that wonderful this week about the Lord giving us that about laughing in heaven? I thought that was so awesome. I've been trying it out a little bit this week. Just see what it's going to be like. Can you imagine, friends, where there's a place nobody will ever frown? There'll never be anybody with just a grim, serious look on their face. But everybody will be so happy. It will be a degree of happiness that we have never known. Our sister Brown, my goodness, if she could speak to us from the other side here tonight, can you imagine she's done met the prophet? She's done met Brother Daniel Nunley. They probably shouted a little bit together. Her and Brother Jim Babb, they've done went you know, around and around through them green fields of bluegrass. My, my, her and Sister Mary and on and on and on. Brother Gene Lehman and oh my, we've had so many to go on. We're getting more over there than we got left here. It's getting about going home time, I figure. Oh, hallelujah. Can you imagine right in that other dimension when the prophet was carried down beyond the curtain of time? He said, I looked right there in my body and it said it wasn't 20 foot from where it was. Right in another dimension, not the way we'd measure it with a measuring tape. That's dimensional travel that you move beyond, see, taste, feel, smell, and hear. And the prophet was in that sixth dimension looking back at his body on the bed. And he said, you mean I've got to go back into that? Think of it, he was about 51 years old. 51 years old, probably pretty healthy at the time. What would he say about the age that we're in if he would call that body that? Oh no, it surely is a past house, is it not? I can't wait. I don't know about you. I can't wait to get rid of these gray hairs. I can't wait to get rid of these wrinkles. I can't wait to get rid of this old age and get on a body that'll never change. It'll never die. It will never rot and it will never be corrupt. Why, how do you have that confidence? Because that quickening power lives in me tonight. It has quickened me to the word and it's still quickening me to the word. And if I do wrong, my intercessor lives within me and he lets me know. And the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen. Now remember the symbols of the Bible. It always represents something when it gets a color or a size or a measurement or a numeric number. There's always a significance there. So I want you to notice where the judgment is coming from. The tabernacle, the witness. It's not being administered by gangs. It's not being administered by the mafia. It's not being administered by cartels, but by the holy, pure, sinless angels of Almighty God. Now this staggers people because they don't understand 
God's justice is pure. Unlike ours. Anybody in here ever wanted to get revenge on somebody? I'll close my eyes, sir. Brother Tom, you gonna admit to that? Lord have mercy. Dear God, help our poor brother. How many's ever got revenge? Uh, uh, yeah. And no doubt we bore that revengeful look. And we felt happy before we felt so bad. But notice how God despicks the openers of these plagues. They're not cartel. They're not foul, corrupt. Their attire represents their position and their purity as administering this justice to God. Now this is important to God that God would convey this about this administration because many people read this and look at it as mean and hateful. It is not mean at all. You see, if God would have chosen to give me holy justice, if I had not accepted his holy pardon, in reality, I would have nothing to say because I deserved it. But I accept his pardon, and by accepting his pardon, it canceled out the justice that was against me. Now what? So they're clothed in pure and white linen, having their breast, which is up this part of the body, the torso, up here, higher rather, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. So this is an ephod, sort of like the high priest wore. So it was a symbolism, and they would have it around them up high, kind of right down under their arms and down to about their waist. So their white garments are pure and white flax, and I've told you before that about this time frame, Egyptian linen was worth more than gold. It was so pure that they say it would glisten. People who walked in this Egyptian linen where it come from the river Nile and the sun would shine on it, it's like their garments would glisten. They were so white, which is a great symbol of purity. So they were attired in the manner of clothes that was fitting to their position. And so is the bride. Now watch in verse seven, and one of the four beasts now watch, there have been four beasts, which was the four powers administering down through the church ages. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, or bowls. Seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God. Now, these folks that's on the earth not only have the devil that's come down and he's pretty upset, but they have God administering vials of judgment. Notice now, they are full. So imagine in your mind one angel, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So one of the four beasts hands each angel a vial or a plague to turn loose on the inhabitants on the earth and the temple was filled with smoke but notice what from not from the sacrifice but from the glory Shekinah the Shekinahs we'd say it 
from the glory of God. You understand that this does not convey a, a, an image of a God that's like some mean, angry, hateful guy, and then we measure God's wrath by ours, and we think how oh, we lose our temper or whatever we do. That's not the way God is at all. God is the only being who has wrath that is so holy. God don't have to repent after he gets done whooping somebody. You see, God never loses his temper in the sense of having to come out. I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have said that. You know, I mean, I've really just lost my cool. God has never lost his cool one time, and he is Mr. Cool himself. So he's been around before anybody else was. And yet he's, he's punished people. He's done all kinds of things. But he's never had to come back and be able to offer sacrifice. But here, the God wants us to see through the revelator that this judgment of God is justly given. Lord God. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple. Now, wait a minute. So this stuff is going on in the temple. And the bride is having this great celebration at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, you say, how in the world is that even possible? Well, let's just say it like this. So whenever you're at a wedding, whether it's over here in the fellowship hall or the way Sister Haven and Brother Josiah's was out, out in the place out there that was really nice, all the art and the decor and all that stuff was out here where everybody was eating, but back there in the kitchen, people were hustling and they were doing this and doing that and picking up and you know doing all this stuff to keep everybody with this and that and the other. And yet you're out there just smiling, eating your ice cream and your fried chicken and whatever more, and you're just having the best time ever was, and they're down there counting the time. I'll be glad when these people leave. I'll be glad, Lord, have mercy. How much longer is it till they get out of here and you're just out there smiling like you're having the best time ever was? It's two different dimensions of the same occasion. Two different dimensions of the same occasion. And you're the ones that's being catered to and you're being pampered and humored. And, you know, can we get you anything else, sir? Thank you, sir. You think them people like you. They're told to do that. Have a nice day. Can I get you anything else? How many times they walk out there and they're mad on a hornet, but they have to put that on or they lose their job. So they got to go out there and yet you're the ones, you're just sitting there laughing. Oh, 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 oh. oh, man, this is so much fun. Are you having fun? Yeah, I'm having so much. Yes. I'm having so much fun. I'm having so much fun. And while the bride is there, all this is going out. And the smoke is coming out of the temple. And the angels are coming out. And they're dressed exactly for the time and the season. And the bride is over there in another part of it. And she don't even know nothing's going on. Reaching across the table and shaking one of his hands. and Just eating and drinking. and Oh, my. We're not going anywhere. Nobody's getting tired. Nobody's looking at their watch. No watch is there, brothers. Praise God. And we're just sitting there. I said, wow, how long have we been here? How long, how long have we been here? I think it's been about 18 months. Really? My goodness, I ain't even had no dessert yet. Oh, my. This is, this is absolutely wonderful. And everybody's smiling and just, everybody's young. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you all that you're invited to the largest, the absolute largest young people's retreat that has ever been on the earth. <laughs> Glory be to God. There'll be no old people there. There'll be no baby. 
wants to go. <laughs> and yet here we are in another part of heaven. We're out here where all this is going on and the angels is just standing around and watching us. And they say, look at her. Watch him. Have you ever seen him like this? We thought that was something when he made that Borealis. We thought that was something when he made Jupiter and the sun. Look at him. Have you ever seen him so happy? <laughs> Have you ever seen him this way? And the angels came back forward. Well, really, when you think about it, I mean, he's been there on the throne for 2,000 years now, taking care of her. Wouldn't you be glad she's home? <laughs> now we can love her. Now we can love on her. She can love on him. You know that we were made not to be angels. We were made to be humans. You've heard me tell you before that I've walked into the recovery room of people that's had bypass surgery and all kinds of surgeries and sometimes I'd be the first one in there. Maybe the wife wasn't able to go if there's a brother and I'd go in and she said, Brother Donnie, I, can't, I just can't go. Would you go? I said, sure, sis, I'll go. Oh my, it can be traumatic sometimes. And I'd be the first one that'll reach over and touch them. Maybe they're shaking and quivering. I'll never forget over the Fred McGinnis Harry down in Kentucky and he had heart surgery years and years ago and they didn't give the brother much of a chance of even surviving it. And Sister Mossy, that was his wife and she just couldn't do it. Poor thing, she's sitting out there just a crying and a bawling. I can't do it, I can't do it. Will you go out? I said, I'll go in, Sister Mossy. I'll go in and see him. Oh my, I went in there and brother Fred had all them tubes down his mouth and this and that and the other. But I started petting and said, Brother Fred, this is Brother Donnie. Just that human voice and that human touch of his shepherd helped bring him out of that place. And that's just a man. Can you imagine what it'll be when the great master walks out, Brother Joel, and he takes his robe and wipes the tears from her eyes and says, don't cry no more. You made it. You made it. You're home. I mean, we're just so happy and we're so free and, and we're just so pleasant and all hell's breaking loose down here. Don't you see? It all depends on who you are and where you're at. Can I have a few more minutes? And I heard a great voice. Revelation 16, 1. Out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vows of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image.
I found this word overwhelming today. Worshipped. To kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. To kiss the hand towards one in token of reverence. Holy Father. But instead of you kissing that hand, God has let you kiss the Son. You see, He said, kiss the Son in the book of Psalms. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry with thee. Were it not for the grace of God, Brother Larry, we would be bowing down, kissing the hand. But instead, we'll be bowing down, kissing the feet. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. I love you. I've always wanted to see your face. Can I take a minute? Take all the time you need, Tony. I heard your voice when I was a little boy. You've dealt with me my whole life. Oh, I, I knew your eyes would be wonderful. <laughs> I didn't know they would be that powerful. Your hair, your feet, your fingers. Thank you. Thank you for loving me. And Jesus might say, Donnie, thank you for loving me. Oh, my. Thank you for giving me your life. Thank you for letting me use you. You ain't got nothing to thank me for. I'm just an unworthy servant. He said, but you see, you and I are partners together. I needed somebody to preach my word. And you were willing. You were willing to forfeit whatever it took. Oh, but Lord, I, I, Lord, I didn't know. Look at me. Thank you. I loved you, Donnie, before you loved me. I had you in my mind as a little seed. And I took a picture of you when you was at your best. And while we're just enjoying all this, the people on the earth are screaming, hollering. They're broke out in sores because they took on the mark of the beast. Catholicism and Protestantism. You see, every person that's baptized in the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost is baptized into the Catholic Church. 
Many of the Protestants will never bow down to the Pope's ring, but they bow down to the Pope's doctrine. I wish some of our Protestant brothers would go back and just study a little bit historically and find out what some of these illegitimate popes have said down through the years about your Bible. They don't believe that a Bible a bit more than you believe a funny book is the gospel. Then you'd take a cartoon book. They do not believe God's word. Notice, let me close. So they pour out the vial upon the earth and there fell a noise of which is wicked and grievous sore. And where did this come from? The tabernacle, the temple, and the tabernacle, and the testimony. You mean that come out of the house of God? Stored up wrath. And why didn't that have your name on it? Because the container that come out of the house of God with your name on it was salvation. Pardon. Mercy. Men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped. His image, the meaning of this word on down. Let's look at the rest of it before we close. In the New Testament, by kneeling or prostration to do homage to one, make obeisance, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication. Years and years ago, Brother George Smith and I was down in Mexico. Had a service in a little old church. They wanted prayer. People started coming up, one after another after another. The Lord done great things among them. And it started with one woman. One woman came up and bowed on her knee and took me by the hand. And I felt like somebody had poured cold water all over me. And I told Brother George, I said, Brother George, tell him to stop. And he said, it's just respect. I said, it may be respect, but I don't think it pleases the Lord. Another come up, another. I told him, I said, tell him to stop. Just walk up before us and let us pray. I wonder how many people bow to a man in the message. People feel allegiance to this man or that man and let this man or that man talk them out of the will of God because they love a man more than they love Jesus Christ. We owe obeisance to no man. No worship to no man. God's word is first. Let's stand. We'll pick it up, Lord willing, next Sunday night. But verse 3 says, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. And it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. Now, don't let that word soul stumble you because it's the same word that is used in the 
the same word that is used for living being. So it's the same word used as spirit. So everything in the sea dies. And the blood, the sea turns into blood, but not just blood with life, but blood after the life has left it, which is coagulated and turns black and it becomes clotted. People here in the medical field know much more about it than I would. But it's this blood representation of a dead man, a dead earth, a dead kingdom. Oh my. And while this is going on down here, here you are still eating, worshiping, praising. Isn't it amazing? But in one way, when you think about it and you put it all together, in, in, a, in a smaller way, that's going on right now. People have gathered on Wednesday night for Wednesday night service, all different kinds of churches around here, right? Some of, them, some of the women come to church in miniskirts, some of the men come to church in shorts, and some of the women come to church in shorts, and they come dressed like everything, looking like everything. No telling what little bit of something or another that they'll get to try to sustain them. And here we've come tonight, and we've had a feast of God's Word set right before us. We've been caught up for just a little bit out of our worries and our troubles. and You know what I'm saying? I mean, no one me. So we've just been caught up for, for a little while into His presence. And we feel like we can face any challenge. We can do anything that lays before us. This is only a prefigure of what you're fixing to experience full time. Can you imagine full-time glory, full-time presence, full-time peace, full-time anointing, full-time Shekinah? Won't that be awesome? Full-time. <laughs> Think of it. Were it not for the grace of God to us, when this vial is poured out, we would be here. The name on that sign down there could be whatever. Worshiping the image. Could be a Catholic church. I could be standing up here tonight as a priest. Whatever it is I said. Serving you the Holy Eucharist. You can't imagine me as a priest, can you? I can't either. I can't imagine you as a Catholic either, but the time you're way too noisy. But why ain't we? Grace. Grace. But you see, friends, God offers for people that's not even bride. Yeah. He'll let them come and take of the water of life, really. As I've told you before, Lot would have been a whole lot better off even though he wasn't Abraham. Just stick around Abraham. You get some real good influence. Yeah. You're better off to hang around him if you don't. Well, if I don't believe it, bless God, I'm leaving. I'm going out in the world. I'd rather hang around Abraham myself. Right. That way you might not, might not wind up having incest with your two kids. Preach. Well, praise the Lord. It's such a privilege just to hang around the people of God. Much less to be one. And who wants to be ready with all of your heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, in humility and thanksgiving, 
We bow our heads tonight in your presence. Thanking you. Praise God. That what come out of the temple for us was not plagues, bowls, vials of wrath, but a bloody lamb. Praise God. Brother Branham said, why John didn't see it? Because he had done look back in there. But you were hid back in the eternities. And John looked right at that great holy being sitting on the throne of God. But Christ the mystery, of course, was hid in the very heart of God. And John looked when the elder said, the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. And here come walking this attribute. And it left John puzzled. And he thought, I've done looked through heaven. I looked everywhere. I looked around the throne. How did I miss this? But the heart of God opened up. And you walked out. Praise God. And when the heart of God opened up, you walked out. And we walked out with you. For we are that love part of you. Oh, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for our failures, our mistakes. Cleanse us. Because we have an attorney tonight doesn't make us want to sin. It makes us want to say, keep us from sinning, Lord. Keep us from falling short of your glory. We want to be like you, Jesus. We don't want to take your grace and abuse it, Father. To us, it is so precious. And we are so grateful. Spiritual death is in the land. His natural death was the last plague that hit Egypt. So the prophet tells us spiritual death is the last plague that will hit the church. And it's all around us. Lord God, keep us alive, I pray. In the name of Jesus, keep us in our position, our God-given position of Christ in the Word. When we get discouraged, encourage us. When we get sick, heal us. When we get weary, lift us up, Lord. We love you tonight, Father. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, we bless your holy name. Oh, we need to sing something, Harry, that'll, that'll be fitted for this occasion. Oh, I know you may look at yourself tonight and you look at me and I've got on this tan-colored suit and a light tan shirt and brown shoes and a black belt and you've got on blue jeans and blue shirt. And, but if you could look past that tonight, you're standing here dressed, Ruth, in another garment. He took away your garment of condemnation and he gave you a garment of praise. He took away your filthy garments, Zechariah, and he's clothed you as a priest of God. For as long as he stood there with them filthy garments on, Satan was able to accuse him. But the voice spoke out of heaven and said, change his garments, remove his garments. And when the garments was changed, the accusation stopped. Hallelujah. 
So let us not raise our hands here tonight as sinners. Let us not approach God tonight as sinners, as lost people. Unless, of course, you are. If you're lost, then, of course, come and we'll, we'll pray with you and lead you to the Lord. But as children of God, let's approach Him as bride, as the redeemed. With that being our testimony, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. I'm bought with a price. Jesus has saved my whole life, my soul, my body. He has fully brought me to this state of the last day. I'm only waiting for the final stage of redemption, the changing of the body. Praise God. I wonder, children, if we're so close that the angels are standing outside the temple gate. I wonder, as long as the Lamb, of course, is in there, they cannot go in. Vows and mercy cannot be mixed. But I wonder if it's so close. They're standing near. And that great power, one of the four beasts, will discharge to them the plagues to be poured out. Oh, we're that close. Praise, oh, Brother Don, that scares me to death. Well, get peace in your heart. Get the token applied to your life. You ain't got nothing to worry about. Oh, how many wants to worship him just a little bit before we come? Can we take just a few minutes? I know you kids are still on school break. Won't be long. Wednesday nights they'll be started back to school again. But let's just worship him a little bit while we can, shall we? Oh, praise the Lord. Sing some for us. Praise the Lord. I've heard them say to do things right one must take their time there's often ways and often ways with no sense of reason or right but when I Stand. 
Praise the Lord. You wonder just how close it is when your pastor starts preaching about it. And you see the things that's happening upon the earth fulfilling the scriptures and them fulfilling that part that's spoken of them. Then you know there's a people on the earth that's fulfilling this part that's spoken. Amen. Can you... We'll have to have a body change. Can you imagine? And it's more real than this. For we look to the unseen things. For we do not understand with the eyes of our head, but we understand with the eyes of our heart. Amen. It's just something about going home. I don't care where you're at, brother. Brother David, some of brothers used to laugh at me. When the meetings was over, I'd be throwing my stuff in the suitcase because there's just something about going home. I feel the pull, don't you, friends? Amen. And you know, when you think about it, the things we heard tonight, we're going to be one place or the other. And I don't think we're hearing about it because he's telling us we're going to be there, but I, I think he's telling us this is where you belong. And young people, don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil tell you you've sinned away your day of grace or you've stumped your toe. Don't listen to that. Listen to your heart. Listen to the word that speaks to you. It tells you there's a higher order, there's a greater walk. Amen. What a privileged people we are tonight. Do you love him, friends? Amen. Have you enjoyed the word of God? Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads tonight. Heavenly Fathers, we come to the close of this service, Lord. Lord, when we talk about these things and take them into our heart, Lord, we get to the place that we don't want to leave that, Lord. I don't want to go back out there. I want to stay in here, Lord, under your wings to hear your heartbeat, to feel you breathe, Lord, to know that the prophet said, Lord, that just not 99 out of 100, but 100 out of 100 that you keep every promise of your word, Lord. And Father, your prophet taught us that people don't go to hell because they're sinners, but they go to hell because they won't take the bypass. And that bypass is Jesus Christ. And oh God, may every person here tonight, Lord, I pray, they receive you into their hearts, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, grant it, Lord, that we sat there that day, Lord Jesus. May each of us be there, Father, I pray. Grant it, Lord, tonight. Lord, if there's some here that don't know you, maybe they've been around the message, but they've never experienced you because... The new birth is not a quote, it's a, it's a revelation, it's an experience that you've met this person. But oh God, how we thank you, Lord, 
for all that you've done for us and for all that you've given us. Go with your people now, Lord. I, I pray, Father, that we think about these things that we've heard tonight. And Lord, we just give you all the glory and the honor and the worship and the praise for thou art worthy, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for, for Brother Donnie, for his ministry, dear God. We ask your blessings upon him, Lord, and upon his family. God, may you renew his strength, Lord. May his understanding grow greater and greater, Lord. Grant it tonight, Father, we pray. Bless your little bride around the world, Lord. Be mindful of those, Lord, who are in need tonight. Hurting hearts, Lord. May you comfort them, I pray, Father. Lord, take the fear away from the children, Lord Jesus. We just love you tonight, Lord, and we thank you for all that you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? Isn't it wonderful to know where we came from and where we're going? Amen. May you go in the fear of the Lord tonight as Brother Harry sings us happy. Amen. I want to know how it feels To make my way down the streets of gold
thank you, Lord Jesus. Won't it be a time for it? Glory. Amen. Glory. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. See, Brother Alan McKinney, Brother Homer Arnold, Lord. Brother Bob Cox. Glory. Won't it be a time? Amen. Amen. Different ones. Comes to your mind. Brother George Patterson. Brother Nunley. Brother Daniel. Brother David Nunley. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, friends are traveling. I've never seen a time that the people of God are crying for the coming of the Lord like they have in the last little bit. In all my years of traveling, I asked other brothers, they're telling the same thing. People longing for the manifestation of the things that we've been hearing, friends. Amen. Not just quotes, but reality of the word. Hallelujah. Eating the vitamins of the word that will change our very bodies. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. It ain't, it ain't Omega-3. It's the mighty one. Hallelujah. Do you love him tonight? Amen. You're dismissing the fear of the Lord. I, I hate to dismiss, but if you need to go, you can go tonight. Just sing one more before we go, can we? Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is the only time I ever get to sing right here. <laughs> Amen. The Spirit and the bride are saying, Come. The elector being stirred inside their hearts. Are you uniting time has come? We have
you glad you've heard his voice, friends? Hallelujah. Tell us to come up higher. There's more revelation. There's more word. More victories. Amen. So, brother, we're in a great battle, but great battles bring great victories. Amen. A character that's fit to reign. Hallelujah. Do you love him tonight? God bless you, saints. Go in the fear of the Lord tonight. Amen. Glory be to God. Nobody loves me like, like you love me, Jesus. I stand in awe of your 